as Dawn said, my name is Kyle, and I am glad that you are here. I'm the lead pastor of Generation Church, and we are a new upstart church right here in Salmon Creek. And one of the cool things that is taking shape here is to see how God is bringing people from all different backgrounds, walks of life, from experiences to come together to form a new family that's united around Jesus. And what's so exciting about that is because we get to see a tangible difference made right here in our community. And so we've been going through this series called Known, where we've been going through Colossians chapter 1, because the mystery that has been hidden for ages and generations has been made known in Christ Jesus. And so here's how I want to start this morning. There's a poem by Robert Frost that says, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, and then looked the other just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, I warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how lay needs arms away. I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. How do you know you have made the right choice? In a world of endless possibilities, the fear of better options can prove paralyzing. And according to research, the fear of better options is a relentless pursuit of all possible options for fear that you'll miss out on the best one, leading to indecision, frustration, stress, regret, and unhappiness. When we face too many attractive choices, we feel anxious about missing out. And many people are terrified of missing out on anything that looks exciting. It's paradoxical. We want to be a part of something, yet we're unwilling to commit to anything for something better might come up. And the idea that life is about choices has been burned into our minds as people living in the Western United States. So, which choice, when we make them, is the right choice. So this Colossian church that we've been learning about is facing pressure from the world in which they live to begin to doubt that the way of Jesus is as powerful as they had previously experienced. Even though they had been faithful, the question arises, were there better options than following Jesus? Are there better options than following Jesus. Just in case Jesus didn't totally work for all of their spiritual needs. And we ask that same question. As we consider what it looks like to follow Jesus and the everyday things of life, are there better options that we could both give our life to and that we need to just hedge our bets a little bit to make sure we're covered just in case? It's like this Jesus plus mentality. 
So we're gonna add, we're gonna we're gonna say we're following Jesus. We're gonna do the right things. We're we're gonna we're gonna read our Bible and pray. But just in case, let me bring in some wisdom from some expert in some field. Or let me just knock on wood in case that changes everything. We add little things and we hedge our bets in our life because we are unwilling to put the full weight of our trust in the Jesus just in case something else comes along. And the truth of the gospel is it's not for some elitist or for someone who knows it all, but it's for the everyday person to put their relationship and trust in Christ, not on special passwords, not on magic phrases, but to put one foot in front of the other and say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And as I take this next step, as I put one foot in front of the other, I am not fixing my eyes on the endless options, but I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. And that's why here at Generation Church, we place an emphasis on the everyday, because you have a plethora of options out there in front of you. You can listen to renowned business people. You can, you can listen to other religions. You can, you can take them and try to make them fit the gospel of Jesus. You could try to make it so that, yes, you believe that Jesus walked on this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for the penalty of your sins and resurrected so that you can have freedom and that you are no longer bound in sin when you trust him. And you can experience freedom in life and hope and wait for when he returns to make all things right and new. You may say, yes, I believe that. But then on Tuesday morning, you find yourself comparing and contrasting some quote that you see on Facebook versus the word of God. And in that moment, in that relationship, or in that choice, what happens is you elevate some other aspect of wisdom that is contrary to the gospel versus a self-sacrificial love that we see in Jesus. A, unwilling, a willingness to love and bear one another's burdens. A, a willingness to, to say, okay, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus and get to know his character and priorities. And instead we go, well, I can do it. I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, so to speak, and get it all right and trust self over what the Spirit of God may be leading to. And so true to our human experience, as we think about all the options, we can reek of indecision, or we just simply spread ourselves too thin that we never totally give ourselves to anything, and that includes Jesus. And so Christians in the room, we can ask this question specifically, what if? What if I've made the right choice? What if, am, am I really following Jesus? And here's how you will know, as you will know, is when you open up your Bible and you look at the character and priorities of Jesus and you get to know him better. And then the what ifs don't turn into what ifs. It just simply turns into, and then I put one foot in front of the other. And if you're a non-Christian in the room, you may be trying to figure out this Christian faith, what it looks like for Jesus to live, die, and have been resurrected and what that actually means and is that worth giving your life to and I would say simply out of all the options in this world the path of following Jesus is worth starting down 
and you will find in this place a community of people who are simply trying to journey down that path. And we are not perfect, but we are progressing down that path. And we have learned a few things, and we aren't experts, but we are simply fixing our eyes on Jesus, trusting that as we put one foot in front of the other, we won't have to second guess and go, what if? We will simply go, and that there he is. And then, because we're journeying towards Jesus. And so for the Colossians, they were asking, was the way of Jesus their best option? And this is why Paul is praying for them. They have seen and experienced this to be true. If you're just tracking through the letter there in Colossians 1 with me, you see he begins with a greeting. And then he's thankful for them. Like they've been faithful. They have been putting one foot in front of the other. They've been learning what it looks like to faithfully follow Jesus. But as they ask that question, and Paul knows this because Epaphras has brought this word to Paul. He's going to say, I'm going to pray something specific for you, this Colossian church. And I think that as we hear this prayer that John read for us a few moments ago, we need to be praying that prayer ourselves. We need to be praying that for our church and for our fellow believers so that we can continue to put one foot in front of the other. This prayer, again, it says, Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we have heard about this, their faithfulness, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and all spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. We'll pause there. So this reason, Paul says he's been praying for them because they have been faithful and fruitful. And Epaphras has witnessed that their lives are being changed. They've seen life change in their midst. So they're not unaware that God's not powerful or that God's not at work or people aren't experiencing the change. They are experiencing this. And he's praying that they remember that. And the effect is to remind these Colossians again and again that they must continue on a course that they have already begun. Some of you this morning have said yes to following Jesus. And as you hear this prayer, you need to be reminded, continue the course. Some of you are exploring options again, and you're trying to figure out which one is the best when it comes to how I should live my life. Should I give my life over to following Jesus? And I would invite you to that same challenge Continue the course. Continue to explore what it looks like to trust and follow Jesus. And what you will find on this journey, once again, is life change. Is an inexplicable joy, a peace, a God who is willing and wants to forgive when you put your trust in Jesus. And so the second part of this sentence here in verse 9 is actually very long, and we've broken it into two parts. And Paul wants to digress just for clarity so they understand what he is saying. And he's echoing similar sentiments, and he says it in three different ways. And this begins the whole theme of really this prayer, is a daily direction toward Christ's likeness, a daily direction towards Jesus. 
It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday thing. Some of the best things that you could do if you're thinking about how do I, how do I make a daily direction towards Jesus is simply set an alarm in your phone, maybe in the morning or maybe in the evening, that says, hey, read your Bible. Say a quick prayer for someone. Phones are great. They have those reminders. Maybe you need to schedule it in your calendar if calendar is part of it. And maybe if you're someone that just, you're like, I don't do calendars. I don't do reminders. I show up wherever, whatever I want. I just got to go. Then think about a trigger. Maybe it's every time you walk out of the door of your house, you think of it and you say a prayer for someone. Or maybe it's when you get in the car, the first thing, instead of turning on talk radio or music, is you turn on that audio Bible. And that's your first five or ten minutes. And that just becomes instinctual. So that every day you are being soaked and saturated in the Word. So that as you progress, as you make choices, as we'll see, the influence is not of the world, but your influence is coming from a God-shaped lens and a God-shaped perspective. And so here's an important point to make as Paul's praying for this church. Paul did not cease being a Jew when he encountered Jesus. But he did come to the conviction that Jesus was the Messiah. But what he did is he took his life story and began to face it in a new direction. He reoriented his existing Jewish practices into a Jesus lifestyle, spirit-shaped, and a church community life and manner. And so Paul's desire is that the Colossians be filled with this same perspective. So it's not for the Colossian Christians to give themselves their own perspective and think through it in their own wise ways. It's for a God to fill them, for God to fill them, for God to saturate them and reorient these believers into this new direction. And so Paul is praying that God works in their life. And he uses these three phrases, these three knowledge words that echo several Old Testament passages. Specifically, he says, give you the knowledge of his will, all wisdom and a spiritual understanding. And you hear those words, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding are all modified. And Paul is repetitive and places a heavy emphasis in this prayer because of the Colossian opponents. He knows there are people out there trying to shape their perspective. And you know this as well. There are people in your office, on your street, on social media, who say, hey, you should think this way. You should do it this way. This is the right way. And what you have to do is you have to, in the moment, discern, is what they're saying come from a God-shaped perspective, or is it coming from a selfish perspective? Is it coming from a self-oriented perspective? And so Paul compiles these three words and these two phrases to suggest that when they are filled with them, they will be able to discern the truth and make good decisions based on that truth. And so, as the church, we have to be reminded that when we pray for people, 
It's not that they always make the choice that we see, but make a choice guided by God's knowledge, all his wisdom, and his Holy Spirit's understanding. Think of a compass. A compass doesn't tell you specifically where you are, but it gives you an orientation that helps you find true north. See, Paul doesn't want their followership of Christ to eliminate their gifts, passions, and experiences. The same is true here. That's why one of our values is story over sin. You have a unique story that God is telling through your life. The object is not to remove that, but to find and direct it towards true north, that is, Jesus. And so rather the filling of the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding help these believers realign their journey back to the truest north. And any time they would over encounter an obstacle, we go back to that compass. We go back to figure out where is true north. And that's why you hear me each and every week, I, I mention in some form or fashion, Jesus' life, meaning his teachings and his character and his priorities, his death and his resurrection, and then him coming back. Because that's where we got to keep filtering everything through. That's our true north of saying, okay, if we're going to trust and follow Jesus, we have to look at his life and how he lived, his character and priorities, so that when we encounter obstacles, I, I picture this of being in the woods, and you're lost, and you've got this compass, and if you just follow to just try to go straight north, you're probably going to run into a tree or a river or something at some point. And so sometimes you have to get around that obstacle. But you rely and you go back to that compass to reorient yourselves and figure out once again where north is. And within the string of phrases, there is this little tricky phrase, his will or God's will. And too often we can limit the will of specifics to one's life. But once again, God's will is deep in an abiding understanding of the revelation of Christ and all that he means for the universe, and specifically for the Colossians. And again, there was a verse that when we started this series, I said cosmic reconciliation. And it made you all say that. Say that with me again. Say cosmic, cosmic. Reconciliation. reconciliation. See, Jesus shapes the whole universe. And what we do is we have to live in such a world that we remember that he is shaping this whole universe. He is Lord and he is in charge. But sometimes we forget that. And when we think about God's will, is we get so consumed about God's will for our life. And what happens is we actually, we change the object of true north. And we make true north ourselves rather than Jesus. And so what we have to do is remember that God's will, he is at work in the world. And we are to join him in it and follow along the journey with him. And so Paul's letters see the will of God as this divine narrative of redemption from creation to kingdom. And so to know the will of God is to know God. And he makes himself known and available to us through Jesus Jesus didn't just die on the cross for our sins. He also showed us what it's like for humanity to live in obedience, in connection with God. Do you realize that today? You can know God. And he wants you to know him personally and truly. 
and not in some ethereal, abstract way. He wants to speak with you and spend time with you. And he does that most regularly through his word. And when you have trusted and followed Jesus and been baptized in him, you have the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is as you read the Bible, God says, hey, this, this is how your character needs to change in this little area. Hey, as you're praying about this choice, here's the best way to go. And that spiritual understanding component of that phrase, what that does is it says the Holy Spirit will bring back and help us remember what God's Word says. And so the will of God is to be grasped through all wisdom. A term that the Jewish community used that says to live in God's world, God's way. With an emphasis on discernment, on the basis of experience and observation. And so a great passage to see wisdom through God's lens. I want to give you two, so write these two down. Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Read that this week. Specifically verse 7. The other passage of scripture, and I know it's going to be difficult, but I think you can do it, is go in and read in your Bible Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And in those two passages, what you're going to see in Proverbs chapter 1 is you're going to say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which means an acknowledgement that God knows the best way to live in his world. And then in Matthew chapter 5 verse through 7, what you're going to see is Jesus challenged the people to not be merely a people of external obedience, but to be a people that has changed in the heart. And both their attitudes and actions, so that their attitudes shape their actions. And so, to access this wisdom, to make it truly wisdom, the Holy Spirit is the one who provides this understanding. It takes experiences and good learning and reshapes it through Christ. Again, you've got a story. You've learned some things or two as you've gone through life. And what the Holy Spirit will do is it'll shape that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. And so for the Colossians, the Holy Spirit helps them navigate through the maze of the first century worldview options. Our neighbor this last week had a pipe burst. And they were trying to find out where the water was. And when the, the plumber, when the, the guy who's going to fix the pipe, when he was going to help try to figure out where the water was and where the pipe was, he held two uh, copper sticks in his hand. And some of you may know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's, I, I believe it's called divining. I, it's what we called it when we were in Kenya. But you have these two copper sticks, and what you do is you walk around. And whenever there's water there, the sticks begin to bend together. And it shows that that is where the water is going. That's where it's going. And the same thing is true for our life. It's when the Holy Spirit's at work in our life that alerts us to when we're on the right path. Because we see our will, our wants, and our desires start to align and bend towards the heart of God. And as we walk around and as we try to figure out what looks like all we will begin to see some things. And you'll even know in your own life, oh, my wife got mad at me this week and I didn't snap back with a sarcastic comment. I was a little more gracious. Where my kids were driving me crazy. And I was able to take a breath. Or my coworker sent me the sent me an email again, 
And it was the same problem that we've been having, and I told him how to fix it. And instead of getting all angry and frustrated, once again, you're able to enter to posture of patience and grace and re-explain something that you've maybe explained before. And so what happens when we access God's wisdom and his knowledge and understanding, he begins to bend our will and our hearts and our actions to align with his character and priorities and that of Jesus. Which brings us to verse 10, which will help us conclude today's key idea and bring us back to next week. That a daily direction towards Jesus starts with sound thinking and eventually leads to sound living. And if you read ahead in Colossians, Paul begins to share some powerful statements about what we should think about so that when the Colossians hear these statements, the Holy Spirit will be able to use them in our everyday life. We've got to have that in our head so that it affects our actions and it affects in the everyday. So think about this. You're holding a cup of coffee. When someone, I could, I could grab mine now. Someone comes up and bumps into me, and I spill my coffee. Why did I spill my coffee? Some of you might be thinking, well, how you just said someone bumped into you. Actually, the reason I spilled coffee is because there was coffee in my cup. See, whatever, if you have tea in your cup, you're going to spill tea. If you have water in your cup, you're going to spill water. See, whatever is inside of you will come out when someone bumps into you, when you encounter obstacles, when you begin to put one foot in front of the other and try to trust and follow Jesus. What is inside will come out. And so we have to make sure that what is inside comes from God's perspective. And what happens is so often we think, well, when someone bumps into me, and I have a cup of coffee, well, I should spill tea. Or I should spill, it's not, we, we think, but it's, if we don't have God's word inside of us, if we don't have it in our hearts, then why would we expect when we encounter obstacles and challenges and we try to follow Jesus, that anything else would come out if it's not inside? Yeah. And so we have to have that daily direction and decision to say, okay, how am I gonna get God's will and his knowledge into my heart so that when because we all know this people bump into us there's challenges that we face how do we get God's wisdom into our lives well it starts with remembering that we have each other that's why we talk about small groups and Bible say specifically the way we say it around here is those community groups that's why we want to get together to study and have conversation about the Bible. It's why we, we want people to show up to a Sunday gathering so we can talk about very practically what it looks like collectively to live out God's will and God, God's ways. It's also why we invite people to serve. Here in a little bit, we're going to go through some announcements, most of which are service-oriented. That's a great way to invite people and say, hey, come along and explore why we serve. Why we do what we do? Because it's shaped by God's wisdom and God's ways, that self-sacrificial love for another. And so because humanity is more than a mind and our will and our actions play an indispensable role in how we follow Jesus, we have to remember that we have these pieces 
tied together. But it always starts with what we put in, because what we put in will always come out. And so our life is to be consistent with the Lordship of Jesus. And he is not the only one guiding us, but he is also the direction in which we focus. Paul's use of the verb meaning here, that walk, picks up a common Jewish and biblical idiom, according to which a person's lifestyle is pictured as a road that one travels along. Poking fun at his friend Edward Thomas, Robert Frost, wrote The Road Less Traveled to highlight the regret of not taking a different path. His friend Thomas would sigh over what they might have seen and done. And in other words, Frost's friend regretted not taking the road that might have offered the best opportunities, despite it being an unknown. Frost liked to tease and go, go, he told Thomas, no matter which road you take, you'll always sigh and wish you'd taken another and there's a lack of satisfaction because the governing mechanism for his choice came from within rather than from without. The message is that in life we're often presented with choices. And when making a choice, one is required to make a decision. And in this poem, viewing a choice as a fork in a path, it becomes clear that we must choose one direction or the other, not both. And the road not taken the way he is going now and the place he ends up, for better or worse, is the result of his decision. And though later in the poem, if he picked it up, he attempts to justify his choice, there's still a sense of uneasiness. Are there better options? But just imagine with me a life that's not consumed with what if, but instead a deep sense of assurance, where your worry is exchanged for wisdom, where your fear is exchanged for faith, and where you're no longer looking back, but you're looking forward. This assurance does not come from within, but it comes from the outside, and it comes from Jesus, and it comes from Jesus being in the midst of your life and saying, follow me. Follow me, and I'll give you a life that is full of adventure and discovery. A life that is full of peace and joy. That's not adverse, or that is not, it doesn't mean we're not going to have suffering. Those are going to be hard things. But it's in the midst of that that we always can remember. We have a steady and faithful God who says, Come on, I've walked this road before. I'm going to take you to the promised land. So, how do you know you've made the right choice? When the spillage of our decisions into the lives of others and the directions of our decisions are Jesus. Again and again, it's Jesus. And the phrase that people say, why do you do this? And you can come back to it and say, again and again, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, you do this. And today, what I want you to know and what I want you to hear is if you're someone who's not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, he welcomes you and he wants you. And so would you take him up on that and say yes and allow your reason to simply be Jesus? Follow 
I thank you for Jesus and that we can have a hope and we can live this life not on land, but with people who are actively trying to follow you. And that you sent your son to get in the midst of this world with us and give us a way forward. Thank you for your love and for your grace. I pray right now uh, for those in this room who are doubting, who are curious, who are unsure what the next step to take. I pray that you just give them all spiritual wisdom and understanding in this moment to discern what you are trying to speak to their heart. And not only that they hear, but that they respond to what you're asking them to do. So Jesus, name.